welcome to the Cult of the Clock Tower. I am Andrew Nathanson. Every other week, a special guest and I have an in-depth discussion about a character from the game Blood on the Clock Tower. Today's character is the Saranovis, a minion from the Sex and Violets edition, whose ability reads, Each night, choose a player and a good character. They are mad they are this character tomorrow, or might be executed. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about the Saranovis, and I am joined once again by none other than the Pandemonium Institute's community manager himself, Ben Burns. Hey, Ben. Hello. Uh, so, you were last here on the Imp episode, right? <laughs> I was. I had that uh, that particular honor, yeah. And I'm back again with another evil character, because I only do evil, apparently. <laughs> yeah. You're just, just evil in general, right? Uh <laughs> All right, so let's jump right into this with um, the first section here, or the zeroth section, <laughs> the new section we're adding, uh, which is a brief explanation that goes into a little bit more depth on how this character actually works in the game. So uh, the Saranovis each knight is going to target a player, and they're also going to choose a character, um, a good character, and you're going to then put the Saranovis to sleep, you're going to wake up that player uh, that they targeted, and show them the this character targeted you um, information card plus the Saranovis character token and then show them the character that the Saranovis selected. I find that this is a character that new players get confused with a little bit at night because you're not like giving them a ton of explicit information about what happened. They kind of have to already know what Saranovis does. Yeah. So if they're confused about that and like what they should do the next day, I try to indicate to them that they should like just come talk to me during the day. Definitely, yeah. In fact, I, I would go so far as to say that in my experience, this is the character that new players have the most difficulty with out of all of the characters in the main three scripts. It really is yeah. quite a tough one. It's a t- it's for some people it's a hurdle just to simply understand what what is meant by madness and what the character does and why it matters and how it affects things. For for slightly more exp- even even really very experienced players will still have trouble understanding the strategies of how to deal with the Serenovus and how to play as the Serenovus. And I've had even official storytellers come up to me and say. I still don't really understand the Saranova, so it really is a, a <laughs> difficult one, this one. Yeah, it is. We should also reiterate like what madness is and how it works, because um, I think that's something that, like you said, everyone's, or a lot of people are very confused about, and there are even people who like think they don't like Sex and Violets because of madness, uh, which I think is usually just a case of not exactly understanding what it is. Shall I go, or do you want to do it? Why don't you give me uh, your take on it first, and then I'm sure I'll agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, madness is a state that exists in Blood and Clock Tower. Uh, Blood and Clock Tower? Uh, <laughs> Blood and Clock Tower. Uh, madness is a state that exists in Blood on the Clock Tower. Uh, if you are mad about something, you are attempting to convince people that it's true. It doesn't necessarily have to be game-related. If you are trying to convince people that Pepsi is better than Coca-Cola, you are mad about Pepsi being better than Coca-Cola. <laughs> as, as it happens, there are some characters that interact with that madness. So, in the case of the Serenovus, they choose a good character and a player, and that player has to be mad about being that good character the next day. So that player has to make what the storyteller deems a sincere effort to convince the rest of the players that they are that character. 
Otherwise, they might be executed. There are other characters that interact with madness. There is uh, characters. There are characters that might be executed if they are mad about being what they are. There are characters that make people mad about all different kinds of things. But the main thing to remember about madness is that it is just a mechanic, and it is your choice whether or not you wish to interact with it. There may be consequences if you don't, but you are not obliged to do anything. Yeah, I think that's a good summary. Maybe we should give some examples as well of like ways that people could comply with Saranovas madness or not. So like for instance, say the Saranovas targets like the um somebody who's been claiming the whole game that they're the flower girl. Saranovas targets them and chooses like seamstress. There's a lot of ways that that person could then try to pivot into trying to convince everyone that they are the seamstress. But if they just stay quiet, or if they just like maybe mention it once, like very quietly, and don't really make much of an effort, then that's that's not enough. They have to. It has to be a sincere effort, and like they have to be trying to convince people, right? They have to be if they want to comply with it. They can always just be like, "No, I'm still the flower girl." Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, absolutely. And 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 deal with it. <laughs> that sounds scary for a lot of new players. They'll be like, "Well, how can I do this? How can I do that?" But the truth is, it's it's surprisingly obvious a lot of the time that someone has been affected by the Serenovas. If someone's been saying for two or three days that they're the flower girl, or indeed if they've just been saying nothing for two or three days, and then all of a sudden they just wake up and go, I just want to announce everyone that I am the seamstress. I want to make it totally clear that I am the seamstress. It's it's pretty obvious a lot of the time that that person has been Serenovist. And so it's, it's significantly less daunting once you actually start to interact with it. Um, but yeah, that, that is, uh, you, you absolutely must do that. Like Andrew said, you can't just keep stum. You can't just whisper it to one or two people. You have to come out with it. Yeah, and there and there are like plenty of ways that you can that you can like suddenly make a big turn in what you're claiming uh, and have it be more believable. Um, like you could claim that you've actually been changed characters. Like you could suddenly ch- claim that oh yeah, no, I was the flower girl, but now I've been pit hagged into the seamstress. You can, you can always do stuff like that. So there's yeah. a lot of ways to to comply with the Saranova's madness in ways and and have it be convincing that you might not think of. Like you don't have to cl- you don't have to necessarily claim that you've always been that character, just that you are right now in this moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think we're probably going to revisit that later on, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> But all right, that, I think that's a good uh, introduction for what Serenovus is. Can you think of any like common mistakes that we should go over before we actually start talking about playing as the Serenovus, about like misinterpretations of rules or anything? I mean, obviously there's a lot around madness. But. Yeah. Um, I think really the main one that I, that I sort of touched on earlier on is that you, just keep in mind you are not obliged to do anything. A lot of people, even experienced players, have the, the misconception that being mad means that you have to do something, that you lose your agency in some way. That is never ever the case. In Blue on the Clock Tower you never ever lose your agency. You never lose the right to do basically what you what you want within the mechanics of the game. Uh, the only thing that madness uh, applies to you is potential consequences if you choose not to abide by it. But you can always choose to ignore it and sometimes that is the the right thing to do uh, i mean if you can if you can say i've i'm i've been chosen by the serenovas i've been made mad about being this thing and then the storyteller goes right you're executed you have proven to the entire room that you were serenovist and that yeah. in, in and of itself is a huge boon and in fact i would as, as a storyteller often not grant the good team that boon because it is too strong 
it's better to leave it open in some respects. But that, that's a whole other kettle of fish that we'll get to later on. But the yeah, the, that, that's that's uh, more of a storyteller style thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But the main thing I just want to impress, and because I find that it's the main thing that people trip up on, is that you're not obliged to do anything. You're not obliged to interact with madness if you don't want to, but you should because it's fun. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, and I think that throughout the rest of this episode, we're going to probably be referring to it as, like, they have to do this. But it's, yeah, we don't actually mean that they have to do this. We mean they have to, other, or else they risk suffering being executed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just easier to talk about it in terms of, in, in, in those terms. Uh, we we might also say throughout this episode that the Saranovas makes people mad about something, which it does not actually do. Uh, um <laughs> But again, that's just like it's hard to talk about it without accidentally saying stuff like that from time to time. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, just to be clear on what we mean when we say those things, we don't literally mean them. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So let's get into talking about playing as the Saranovis. So I think the first thing to keep in mind when you're playing as the Saranovis that a lot of people don't necessarily do is that it, most of the time it's best to target one person over and over again for an extended period of time. Not not necessarily always the case, but I think that in general that's kind of a good default strategy because that way they're never going to have a break from being targeted by you where they can tell everyone about your existence uh, without any consequences. Yeah, it's definitely, I would say, the, the most sensible and most obvious strategy because uh, if you're lucky enough to get a, a, a power roll, if you're lucky enough to snag a dreamer or a seamstress or a savant or something like that, and make them mad about being, especially about being something that doesn't get information, um, then you've effectively shut them down until such a time as they are no longer mad. So you basically get to control the flow of their info. Unfortunately, you're unlikely to know whether or not you've actually done that because you're making them mad <laughs> about something, but it's still a, a pretty good strategy, and, and it's the one that, that I say most Serenovuses do for the first time. But it's certainly not the only strategy, I think you'll agree. Yeah, no, yeah, there's plenty of things you can do. And that does have its own risks as well. Um, like, if you get executed and that person suddenly stops being targeted by you, they're going to suspect it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and I would say for that reason, a lot of the time I, I don't necessarily advocate that strategy. I think you probably... I would prefer to switch targets regularly uh, simply because it then leaves you open to poisoning the well of information to sowing confusion and discord if you are executed one of your minions can then claim to be serenovists mm -hmm. uh to, to cover for you uh and in a way i think the there is a, a degree of risk involved in switching targets but it, it's actually probably in the long run if you can pull it off the the better strategy i w i would say but i imagine you might disagree with me on that well i think it depends on how the game is just going overall like if you're able to consistently target people who haven't already made strong claims then it's not going to be obvious that they're being targeted by you but if everybody kind of comes out right away then with everyone switching up their claims but also knowing that there's a Saranovis in the game I feel like it'll not be that effective to switch up a lot yeah yeah I would agree with that so it really kind of depends on just having a lot of good players who aren't strongly claiming something right away which Depending on your group, uh, it might be the case that everyone kind of just does claim right away uh, in Sex and Violence. But probably not, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, but prob probably not. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that it's it's totally fine as a default to just choose one person for an extended period of time. Um, yeah. I mean, I suppose really, as with almost everything that you are ever going to discuss on this podcast, 
a bit of column A and a bit of column B is, is usually yeah. the way that your game will go, right? You'll probably think, okay, well, I'll just arbitrarily poison this person uh, because I, I think they're a good player or because, uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't like the way they smell or something like that. And then you'll, po- you'll do them over and over again until such a time as you find a better target uh, and then you'll switch across, I guess. Because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if if person A has spent the first three days of the game swearing up and down that they're the clockmaker, and then all of a sudden they go, actually, guys, I'm this other thing, it's going to make them look shady, regardless yeah. of, of what justification they give. And and I think having that in your pocket is quite a handy thing to have as the Serenovus. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the first, first target of the game. Do you have any... Uh, thoughts on like how to use that because i have a few like just general things that i'll do with the first person i target as serenovus um i see a lot of serenovus's target themselves or a minion first uh unfortunately i see it so much now that i expect it but that you know if your if your local group doesn't have that meta uh, i i that's quite a strong opening move because you can either a uh have that guy like you could you could target yourself to be mad about the thing that you are lying about being uh, and then you know you claim to be that thing because that's that's the bluff that you've decided to use for the game and you can talk you can continue to target yourself maybe for a second day if you wish and then once you start targeting other people and they start acting strange inevitably at some point they will then say hey I, I was Serenovist and the question will arise well who was Serenovist for the first two days does anybody here want to claim that they were Serenovist night one or night two and when mm-hmm. nobody says anything it's just going to look conf- it's going to confuse the good team it's going to make people look like liars uh, so it's really not a bad opening move and it's probably the one that I see most often it, it does also allow you to tr- uh, switch up your bluff like if you, if you think you're going to go into the game bluffing one thing and then you suddenly realize that there's another thing that would be very beneficial for you to bluff, you can just stop targeting yourself, start targeting someone else, and then have it be very believable that you were targeted by Serenovus for the first part of the game. Yeah. Uh, and that's why you were claiming that weird thing and then you're actually this other thing, which is the perfect thing to bluff at that time. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I mean, you can even you can target your minions uh, to give them the exact same option as well, right? If you... Yeah. If you... Um, because while the Serenovus is a is a very powerful minion, there are all all of the minions in Sex and Violets are extremely powerful, I would argue. And so throwing those guys a bone, doing them a favor, especially uh, if one if you've got if you're one of two minions, that means there's a seventy five percent chance that one of your other minions is the evil twin. And by mm-hmm. giving them by having them be Serenovus near the beginning of the game, you are giving them a degree of legitimacy that they simply cannot acquire in any other way really as an evil yeah. twin yeah that's true actually that's actually a really interesting interaction like say it's a it's a two minion game and you have a serenovus and an evil twin obviously the serenovus doesn't know on the first night that they are the other one's an evil twin but if you just target them just in case and on that basically on that first night or on that first day nobody's going to be the players aren't going to know the the good players aren't going to know that there's a serenovus in play yeah and then if you switch it up on the second day once you realize that that minion is the evil twin then whoever you target the next day is going to really believe the evil twin is the good twin when they say that they were targeted by you. Absolutely, uh, it's yeah. like, why would, why would the Serenovas target their own minion? Uh, unless, of course, they're expecting you to do that. But yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you, it's worth doing it just to see a situation where 
one guy stands up and goes, I am the savant, and I am the good twin, and this guy is my evil twin. And everyone's going to expect <laughs> the evil twin to be like, no, I am the savant, but they're actually going to stand up and go, uh, I'm actually the barber. I uh, don't really know what this guy's yeah. talking about. It's going to be it's going to be absolutely <laughs> hilarious. You should totally do that every time you're the Saranovis. That's it. End of podcast. We're done. <laughs> Uh, I do think there are other good things to do on the first night as well. And these are often more group dependent. So, but like one thing is in a lot of the online groups recently, there's the sort of metagame where you'll execute the clockmaker on the first day. Yeah. Well, if you just target a random person and choose the clockmaker, uh, that's a pretty good way to either get them executed for breaking their madness or just because they're claiming the clockmaker. Uh, so if, the, if the, your group is a really strong meta like that, where they're always going to execute a certain person, then suddenly you can just add, like, make it so that whoever you want gets executed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you can, you, know, you can also go fishing for um, the mutant as well, if you wish. You can just go around the table making people mad that they are some outsider and hope that you can take yeah. out a mutant if possible. Yeah, so we should we should talk about that. The mutant, obviously, uh, if they're mad about being an outsider, they could be executed. Uh, and if you target them and make them Saranovist that they're an outsider, then if they claim if they don't claim that they're an outsider, they might be executed. So at that point, the mutant basically just might be executed, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I mean, I suppose it's in their interest then to 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 basically interact with madness, right? Because at the very least, if they're executed for claiming to be an outsider, it proves that they're the mutant. Mm-hmm. Or at least it certainly looks like they were the mutant. And I mean, that is something that you, as the evil team, can then recycle, right? You can you can make a, an evil player mad about being an outsider. Or, sorry, mad about being not an outsider, so a, good, a townsfolk. Have them mm-hmm. claim to be that thing... Uh, Hang on a minute, I'm getting myself to it right. Have them claim to be an outsider be and then make yeah. it make them look like they're the mutant, which is kind of the reverse yeah. of, of what we've just been discussing. Yeah, I think that actually, that's a fairly common play I've seen, is that eventually once a minion decides that it's like, okay, it's time for me to, like, it's okay for me to die at this point, if they can get targeted by Saranovis and then pretend that they're the mutant, that can be a really strong way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, about the mutant... Do you have a, I mean, I guess this is more of a storyteller thing, but it's worth keeping in mind as the Saranovis about what you expect your storyteller to do. And you might actually want to talk to them about it. You might want to know what they would do to the mutant who is in that position where like they die either way or they might die, might be executed either way. Do you usually kill that mutant or leave them alive? Ah, uh, that's a difficult one because it really, the way I... On a case-by-case basis, most of the decisions I make as a storyteller are to maintain a 50-50 balance of power whenever possible. I'd say that that in the early game, you're probably less likely to execute the mutant because it proves them as the mutant. Mm -hmm. In the late game, you're perhaps more inclined to do it because it proves them as the mutant. And really, I think that's, (laughs) that's what it boils down to. You're not really... Unless unless you're in a situation where the number of lives on either side matter, which I would say in, in Blue on the Clock Tower, when it comes to social deduction games, it is quite rare for that to be the case. You don't generally... It's generally not a game about the conservation of lives, is it? It's a game about the flow of information. But So if yeah. you don't have that concern in the bag, then really the decision to execute a mutant is the decision of whether or not 
to reveal to the room that they are the mutant, or to at least, you know, soft confirm them as the mutant. And so when you think about it in that regard, in the early game, you don't want that kind of confirmation most of the time. In the late game, you might need to throw the good team a bone or two. They might be struggling. But in the early game, the good team are always winning, right, as, as a general rule. They start off yeah. winning the game, uh, and evil have to claw it back. And so, sorry, that's a very... I really took the scenic route to that answer. But, um, but yeah, that's generally how I would, would puzzle it out. Yeah, I, I do feel like there is still, like, a consequence to executing mutant because you do lose that day of executions, which is a pretty pretty big deal for the good team. Yeah, that's true, uh, to just be fair. That is true. Having the opportunity to, like, not execute a minion or whatever that day. So I actually... I usually feel like it's it favors the evil team more when the mutant gets executed. Not always, obviously, but... There are a lot of situations where I'm happy to kill a mutant uh, and not feel like I'm actually helping the good team that much. So I I almost always will just kill a mutant in this situation uh, and have them executed. I, I feel like it's it's kind of like if the Saranovus is choosing to do this to them, then that's what the Saranovus wants me to do. So the Saranovus thinks it's good for the evil team, and I don't think it's like that's an overpowered ability because it can only happen once per game. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's an interesting perspective. I'll be honest with you, it's not one that I... 100% share really I think I think that, that having an execution is sometimes a double edged sword for the good team I mean it's they 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 execute someone I, I would not say that even half of the time it's a good decision in, in sex and violence <laughs> they usually will execute poorly uh, because you know they, they have to fumble around for the right people I think the when a, when a mutant dies because they claim to be an outsider the good team always get something from it always there is always an advantage to the good team in some regard when that happens whereas there isn't necessarily always an advantage to the evil team it doesn't really matter a great deal they've not taken out a really powerful character by having the mutant executed they've not really taken out a key player and and the good team are always going to have the opportunity to execute the next day so I would actually disagree with you there I think but hmm. but at the, but I can understand why why you would feel that way and why some people might disagree with my disagreement. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I I, I do think I disagree to to a pretty large extent there. I, I think that might just be that I, I my general play style is to be very execution happy and like try to execute people at all opportunities, just like taking that shot over and over again. It is a lot of fun. I can't really follow you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Maybe maybe I overvalue the execution specifically in Sex and Violets as the addition where you can gather more info it might be better to just keep players alive so you might i think i could see that perspective as well but i'm not convinced of it yet <laughs> <laughs> all right who, what are other good targets to use the saranovus ability so we've, we've covered the mutant uh which may or may not be you can kind of I, like i said talk to your storyteller to ask what they do and then you can make a better informed decision if because they'll probably let you know <laughs> yeah i think the uh, there's there's well there's the two main other sources of people saying I am no longer this thing, I am now this thing are the pit hag and the barber, right? So mm -hmm. if you've got either or both of those in the game, you as the Serenovus, then you're basically running interference, right? You can you can yeah. <laughs> uh, basically target whoever you want. Those people are going to be saying I'm now this thing. Uh, some people are going to assume that's a barber. Some people are going to assume it's a pit hag. It's in the interest of a lot of good players to claim that, to say I was barber swapped or I was I was altered by the pit hag or something like that, and that's just going to throw more confusion out there. So I think that's probably uh, 
one of the other stronger interactions that the Serenovus has. There's all, it's also good for um, you know framing people and stuff like that as well. Yeah, you can uh, basically make it that there's just a lot of confusion about who is what character. I, f- I find that a lot of the time, if there's a lot of people who have been Serenovus into different things, it gets hard to keep track of like what's okay what's your actual claim like you claim that you've been serenovist at some point but <laughs> what are you actually now and just adding that confusion to the game is useful yeah that's that's doubly true in in person games as well because we we've been playing a lot online through lockdown right and mm-hmm. you can it's much easier to keep track of things online you have the resources to do it you have the yeah. awesome github tool you can pull up a notepad on windows or whatever the mac equivalent of that is and and keep track of things but when you're playing in person you don't re- you can't really do that so easily you can't i mean i've seen people carry notepads around but it's not a great <laughs> idea because it, it means that literally anyone can look over your shoulder and see what you've written so and, yeah. and then you have to use a notepad every time you play otherwise it's gonna be obvious when you're evil <laughs> so and yeah so i think really especially doubly so for in-person games doing that is very very effective uh, the other thing you can do related to the Barber and Pit Hag is cover for some swap, um, like in a very direct way, where you coordinate before before the swap happens. So if the Pit Hag changes someone to a different character, uh, like say an outsider or something, you can Serenovus them into still being mad about whatever they were previously. Yes. To make it so that you've stopped them from getting information, but they can't tell anyone else that that has happened, and they have to like make up bogus information, which might be more believed because the previous information seemed good. Yeah, definitely. And and I think that's a theme running through the minions in Sex and Violets. They're extremely powerful minions. They're even more powerful um, if they coordinate with one another. Yeah. You can do similar, You can to a certain degree. We've already talked about how you can interact with the evil twin. The witch is, is an option as well because you can, you can basically um, say to the witch, can you please curse this person? I'm going to Serenovus them about something. I'll Serenovus them into something that is uh, not useful. And then we'll push for them to nominate themselves. So there's, the, you know, there, although that would probably make you look a bit shady, but there are options for the Serenovus to be a, a tool in the hands of every other minion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we actually talked about that a bit more on the Barber episode, which uh, you haven't listened to, Ben, but uh, <laughs> the, the listener probably has at this point because it should be out before this one. So if you want to listen to more where we go into a bit more detail actually about using the Serenovus to cover up a Barber swap, uh, you can listen to the Barber episode. Let's see, other good targets. Um, I really like targeting townsfolk who are far away from the Nodashi, because in a Nodashi game, tracking down the Nodashi can often be pretty easy if you aren't messing with the info that much. So I like to target the townsfolk who are far away from the Nodashi and then just like make it so that if it's harder to tell if they're getting good information just because they give out their good information less often. Yeah, um, just to, for the clarity of anyone listening, the Nodashi is a demon which poisons uh, its neighboring townsfolk. Yeah, exactly. So you can you can you've got the poison over there, you can sow confusion over the other side of the room uh, and basically make sure that the that poisoning is not really discovered. Yeah. Alternatively, I guess you could also target the players who are being poisoned by the Nodashi, which is kind of doubling down on the uh, the on like making them give misinformation, but it it uh, it still obfuscates the source of the misinformation, so they might not be able to tell that they're poisoned, especially if they get uh, executed to your ability. So, like, if they've been, if they like spend a day or two like claiming whatever you've Serenovus them into being, 
are into claiming and then they get executed, they don't really have time to get their other information out there for everyone to realize they're poisoned. Absolutely, yeah. And and the other side of that is uh, if you use the I am going to Serenovus this person every day strategy, what's going to happen with those guys is eventually if you get executed or if you if you choose to move on to another to another player, uh, they are then going to finally have this treasure trove of information to bring to the table and it's all going to be poisoned rubbish info and they're <laughs> going to drop this big bomb and everyone's going to suddenly change the way they think based on rubbish info uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a huge huge uh, tool for the evil team all of a sudden to have that come out yeah and, and it's definitely important to uh tr- try to like i feel like if there's an odashi in the game doing something to protect them is usually the best idea yeah yeah, definitely. So whether you're whether you're intentionally targeting people far away from them to make it look like others are poisoned, or you're targeting the poisoned players to make it less obvious that they're poisoned, those are both going to be useful. Even targeting those poisoned players to make them uh, mad that they're a mutant, or not a mutant, just an outsider in general, which would then, like, that would plausibly make the, the Nodashi's poison go further and make it, like, seem less like there's a Nodashi there. Correct, um, yeah. Since the Nodashi's poison skips over outsiders. What do you think about targeting dead players? That's an interesting one. They still are affected by your ability, which is also... Actually, that's a misconception that some people have um, that might come up and is useful to know about. <laughs> I feel like that's something I haven't really done that much, um, but it, I think it is a good idea because often dead players are like, oh, okay, they're dead, we can trust them. So yeah, I, I, I like that play. It's the ultimate uh, waste everyone's time play as well because you can you can spark that execution on this dead player uh, and that sinks an execution for the day. Obviously, it's not quite as advantageous of as having a, an alive good player be executed, but it does it does poison the well in a way that I think. And like you said, you you've not seen it much before, right? It's quite rare that yeah. you hear somebody say that. <laughs> I've not seen like mm-hmm. a veteran player. I have not seen much of this. Um, I I think it's it's quite an interesting one. I haven't seen much of it either. I've um, only ever been the Serenovus once, and I I used it in that game and people were extremely confused extremely confused <laughs> as to what was going on and wondering why dead players were doing that and they actually ended up saying you know this dead person's clearly a minion she's just trying to confuse us just ignore her she's got nothing of value which was great because she did have something as of value but that was it for her then no one would 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 believe what she had to say after that yeah i mean there's the, the big downside to this is that if they do break madness and they get executed, then that's the the only possible explanation for them being executed is Serenovus. Yep. And like you said, it's not quite as bad as a living good player dying. No. Um, you can use it on dead minions though, if you want. Uh, okay. If you want to waste a day's worth of execution, <laughs> you can uh, target a dead minion, who obviously you're no longer concerned about them dying. Uh, you have them go through the whole, you know, charade of of uh, of saying I'm this, that, and the other, or or have them claim to be something that they're not, and then, boom, they get executed. Oh, sorry, guys, I just, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to go through the, I wanted to prove that I really was what I was saying. You've wasted the town's day. You've wasted their execution. You're one step close to victory. Yeah, actually, I really like that play. Um, I haven't thought of that one before, but I really like that. I think you have to have a somewhat... Um, What's the word? You have to have a storyteller who's willing to put up with your crap, though, if, you, if you're going to try that play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, because obviously, like, you could theoretically every single day target that minion 
and then just waste every day and make it impossible for good to win. So, like, obviously the storyteller can't do this every time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you will, you will have to use that one sparingly. Yeah, from time to time, I think that's a really interesting play, because it simultaneously can make the minion more trusted, and it wastes a day of execution. What do you think about targeting the good twin? <laughs> we already talked a little bit about targeting the evil twin, but the good twin is another option, uh, just to make the... Well, for one thing, the threat of execution on the good twin is the threat of losing the game. Yeah. And then the... So that actually is kind of a situation where they, like, they pretty much are just going to be compelled to do what you uh, what you want them to. Mm, yeah, it's an interesting one, that, because I think really that the question of whether or not you do that is mainly the question of what what is your storyteller like? Do you know them? How do you think they yeah. would deal with that situation? Because... A lot of, you know, Blood on the Clock Tower is a hard game to run and takes a little while to set up. So if I, uh, if I'm, it's what it's day one of a 15-player game. We've just spent ages setting the game up, and the Serenovus targets the the good twin. Uh, if that good twin comes out and says, "I have been Serenovus," um, I might be somewhat disinclined to execute them because I actually want to play Blood on the Clock Tower. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure how this is a very interesting dilemma that is because obviously mechanically speaking you as the storyteller it's kind of you are you are somewhat of a referee you you really should be enforcing um the you know the madness mechanic but at the same time you are basically as the storyteller saying I decide this game ends now and this whole team who have done nothing yet and not deserve to lose are going to lose yeah, so I think with that in mind, I'm usually, as a storyteller, and this is something we can talk about more, uh, I do feel this episode's a little bit weird. I feel like we're talking about all this, this storyteller stuff in the other sections, but I think that's also okay, because you kind of need to know how the storyteller is going to run it in order to know how to play it. Yeah. I, I think in that situation, I'll be a bit more lenient, like... Like, if maybe they say something that I'm like, ah, oh, that's not that convincing, I'm pretty sure everyone knows they're being targeted by Serenovus... Uh, I might be a lot, I'll be a lot more lenient in that situation, but I'll still usually, like, I'd usually execute them and just end the game if they just straight up don't comply at all with it. Because yeah. otherwise I feel like it's kind of cheapening the the Serenovus' ability. It is. I mean, I to be honest with you, I would probably have a word with them uh, the next day or later that day and say, hey, look, um, I've let you get away with that. Uh, but if you if you try that again, I will execute you, and you will lose the game for your team, because I think yeah, that's kind of the gentle way. Right? Yeah, that's a good way to handle it. Uh, it's kind of similar actually to there. I've heard I haven't actually experienced this myself, but I've heard that there have been groups of players who just like refuse to execute on the first day because they don't ever want to play a Vortex game. I kind of feel like it's actually similar to that, where it's like you're the, the if the good twin doesn't go along with the madness in that situation, and they're just like, ah, oh, the storyteller won't execute me and end the game here. And then it's kind of them being a bad sport, and like, it, like if they're just trying to sort of like challenge you, yeah. I, I don't know, I, I don't like that. So I feel like that is something that you would have to kind of work out with them. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly. I mean, my sort of uh, representative of the company running games at conventions attitude kicks in a lot of the time when I think, hey, do you know what? It's more important that these guys have a good time than it is that I be a, a good a good referee. Uh, but I think <laughs> at the end of the day, if you've got to a point where you are running Sex and Violets with a group, chances are they are relatively experienced. You've probably spent a fair bit of time with them already. Uh, you've you've probably filtered out the, the douchebags, and you, you'll probably mm. never get to this point, really, uh, will you? But 
Yeah, it's an interesting one that is actually. Yeah, like if it's a new player, then don't be too hard on them if they yeah. don't understand what the Saranova's ability is. But uh, if it's an experienced player and they're just doing it intentionally to challenge you to challenge you to execute them, then that's more of a more of a problem. Challenge than... accepted. <laughs> Game over. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what other targets do we have? I mean, there's the obvious one that we haven't really talked about, which is just like, I guess we did talk about it, just hiding hiding a character's information. Uh, you realize there's a savant or something um, that can be a good that can be a good target. I actually especially like targeting the savant because then it makes it harder for them to come up with an excuse to go talk to the storyteller. Uh, it's not impossible because ev- obviously everybody's kind of allowed to go talk to the storyteller for, for whatever they want. Yeah, but. Um, especially if you target the savant a few days in a row it's like oh why are you talking to the storyteller every day uh when you're not the savant and you're not even claiming to be the savant and like cover for them or anything yeah uh i mean you could conceivably uh be the artist i guess although for that reason you should probably not make people mad about being the artist yeah just in case <laughs> a savant and vice versa um but uh but yeah i mean the, the savant is a is it's an interesting one i i can't so I suppose as an evil player, uh, you would be keeping your eye on who visits the storyteller, right? If you see yeah. a guy visit the storyteller twice, they're probably the savant. You can probably start targeting them. Um, but at the same time, I think it's perhaps even better to target somebody and make them... If you know there's a savant in play target somebody else and make them the savant repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Having to have two sets of savant info in the game, basically at that point you may have made the, the good team, or some of the good team, decide, I am either going to make our real savant's information borderline useless by muddying the waters, or I must die. That, that is the choice yeah. that that person has to make. <laughs> so there's, there's a, yeah multiple ways that you can mess with the savant. Yeah, that is a really good one to cover for, just because of the sheer volume of information that comes out of it. Yeah, and that is uh, Sex and Violence in a nutshell, right? As yeah. the Serenovas, you are literally at a buffet of screwing with people, basically. There is so much you can do. There is We could sit here for like the rest of the evening, and we still <laughs> wouldn't run out of ideas for things that you could do with the Serenovas. It's truly a thing of beauty, and I, I love this character so much. It's why I requested to do this episode. Yeah, it's it's there's just like there's so many possibilities and so many good ways to use it. It's it's hard to use it like it's hard for there to be a bad way to use it. I guess like the only time I could think of like something you really wouldn't want to do is if I don't know, say the savant or the artist has some specific information about you and you really just like like if you tar- if you let a certain person know for sure that you're in the game, then it would really ruin things. But it's hard to get into that situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And and even if even if it does happen, um, you know, chances are you've already confused enough people by that point that you've done your job and that that's you know a big part of being a minion right is knowing when to just die with honor and and watch the rest of the game unfold <laughs> anything else you want to say in about playing as the Serenovus before we move on i think we've covered most of it haven't we really all right yeah obviously there's a lot more to do but we have to move on at some point uh, i think we've given a good idea of the type of things to do at the very least Alright, section two is fighting against the Saranovas as a good player. There are a lot of little tricks you can do that can help you to mitigate the effects of the Saranovas, and they're good to know about. There's also just like certain times when like we should talk about the strategy of when you should just accept that you're being executed, like when it's worth it to get information out there. So yeah, uh, the first thing I want to mention here is a little trick 
that I learned. I don't know if I learned this. I don't remember who told me about this, uh, but I just hadn't considered it until recently. And this is to say, like, especially if you've been made mad about something on the first day, you can get the information that the Saranovas exists while still complying with the ability by saying, like, say this, you're like, you're not the juggler, but the Saranovas has targeted you to be mad that you're the juggler for whatever reason. Uh, you can say, hey, I'm the juggler. And also the Saranovas targeted me and made me mad about being the juggler. So it just like doesn't affect me because I actually am that. Yeah. Uh, and if you make that argument, it still tells everyone that there's a Saranovas in play, but you're still complying with the madness. <laughs> So I, I actually found that to be a pretty interesting idea. And obviously, if everybody does that every time, then it'll stop being convincing. Yeah, um. it is It is a very exploitable strategy, that is. And I can see that totally becoming the part of many groups' metas. Yeah, so actually, I think that to some extent, like, if you make that claim every single time, and everybody in the group makes that claim every single time, then I might even <laughs> just, like, as a storyteller, start executing people who do that. Because it's like, you're not really trying to convince them, you're just using <laughs> the trick. Uh but yeah, so then, but that's a good thing to do if nobody's done it before and it's not like a part of the meta. Um, then that's a perfectly acceptable way to tell everyone that there's a Saranovas in the game without getting yourself executed. And and you can also kind of do a, a softer version of that. You could get the straight away at the beginning of day one. You could just wake up and go, "Hey guys, I'm just going to immediately claim juggler. I juggle that there is a Saranovas in the game." I don't know why, I've just got a really strong suspicion that there's a Saranovas in the game. <laughs> Wait, that's not a juggler information. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, because you say, I juggle that there is a Saranovas. Or, sorry, I juggle that, sorry, yeah, I juggle that this guy is a Saranovas. I don't know why, but I, I've yeah. just got a strong suspicion that he might be the Saranovas, or that we've at least got one. And and you've you've complied 100% there um, with with it, but you've, you know, you've hinted, is the point I'm trying to get. Is that you've hinted right, that, yes. you, that you know there's a certain people are going to hear that and and hopefully some of them will pick up on it and hopefully they'll go away in their private conversations and be like hey that guy I think was clearly you know Serenovist. <laughs> yeah, and the, the thing is to not be too like if, if you're if you're like oh I think there's a Serenovis in the game <laughs> wink wink uh, then that's probably grounds for execution but <laughs> there are you can certainly do that in a way that hints to everyone without you're you're always kind of trying to balance it right like you have to be convincing enough uh and be making a sincere enough effort that you don't get executed yeah but definitely if you can find some wiggle room in there it's totally okay and and there are a lot of characters where you can do something like that you can you can get your information out without breaking madness so if for example uh you're you're the dreamer and you've been made mad that you're the savant you can totally say hey guys i'm the savant uh i've just visited the storyteller and they've told me that this guy here is either this or this and and yeah. uh, you know and you've got your info out right there no one can disagree that that's that that's not something that a savant could legitimately be told although it's obviously very unlikely that a storyteller would be that unimaginative but um, <laughs> but yeah you've totally got your info out right there it doesn't really matter that people have heard that you're the wrong character you're, the the important thing is that you've you've given them the relevant info. Yeah, and there's a lot of like subtle ways you can do that. So there's a, it's harder to come up with the things where you can just get like your exact information out there, but you can often at least contribute what you think about the game. So like if you think you're the flower girl and you have information that uh like one of a few people is the demon, and everyone's trying to like decide who of those people to execute, or like 
and, or like one of a few people to execute, one of them you strongly suspect is the demon because of your information, then whatever you're mad about, you can try to use that character's information to like make up a reason that that the group should do what you want. Yeah, yeah. So if yeah, I'm so like you think somebody's the demon, but you're being mad, you're being targeted by Saranovis that you should be, I don't know, like the seamstress. You can say, well, I checked them against this other person who we thought was good. And they're different alignments, so that's a good reason to execute them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and to be honest, most characters, most townsfolk at least, um, have some route to get into that point, right? We could probably yeah. go through most of these characters and and talk about how a good four or five of the other characters can can get that character's info out there through the scope of their ability. Yeah, I mean, the savant's always a good fallback, <laughs> yeah. since that is actually... That's uh, something that the Saranovas will, like you were saying, it's a good thing for them to target people to make them mad about being. It's also one of the easier characters to bluff as and still get information out there. How would you, um, would you allow somebody to literally just use the pit hag excuse all the time? Like, I, I was pit hagged into this last night, now I'm this, but here's all the information that I that I have got as my previous character that I no longer am. And oh, what's that? Oops, there's an extra night of information in there. Well, you know, better not hope that I'm lying. Like, how? how... Well, if, if they give an extra extra night of information, I would not allow that. Uh, <laughs> but in general, I think that them claiming to, that if you claim that you're pit hagged into whatever you're being mad about, I think that's totally fine because that's still causing a lot of confusion. Especially if they continue to target you, then like that that you can only use that once. It's not like you can say, oh, I was pit hagged again into being this thing. <laughs> Uh, and that's still going to be causing a lot of confusion because now everyone, if they believe you, is going to have to think that there's a pit hag in play or possibly that the pit hag didn't do what they actually did that last night. And it'll, it'll still cover up a lot of information in, in an effective way. Yeah. You could just have an infinite chain of like the first time it happened, you go, I was pit hagged into this guy. And then the next day, if the if the Serenovus makes you mad about being that thing again, you can go, actually, yesterday I was mad about being this guy, but now I was really pit-hagged into him. And then you just use that every day for the whole game. Hmm. <laughs> just a chain of pit-hag I haven't thought about that. Um, that's a little bit more obnoxious. Uh, <laughs> hmm. I guess it technically complies with what the Serenovus says you need to do. I, I would I would feel bad executing a player that did that, to be honest, because I think that's that's pretty reasonable. Uh, that's a pretty reasonable strategy. I, I think it really just depends on how convincing they're being, right? <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think like, the way I see it is it, anything that the evil team could reasonably employ as a lie is something that the good team can get away with. So if I if I right. if I saw that happen in a game. The next time I was evil, I would seriously consider using it as a bluff for myself. And I think if that's the case with something, it's, it's kind of okay, as long as both sides have got access to it. Yeah. Um, I think in this particular situation, like, if they continue to do that for several days, then it'll be very obvious that they're just making stuff up. Yeah. Like, uh, if the first day they say, okay, I was just pit-hagged into this thing. The next day they say, okay, I was targeted by Saranovas yesterday, now I've actually been pit-hagged into the thing. The next day they say, okay, I was targeted by the Saranovas the past two days. Now I've actually been pit-hagged into the thing. At some point, they're not being convincing anymore. And and it's just going to be like, okay, well, I think the more natural assumption for everybody is that what you're trying to communicate is that you're still being targeted by Saranovas. Mm. 
So at some point, I become okay with executing them, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> there, I think. That is quite the conundrum. And I, I apologize, I have again moved us into the next section of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perhaps this is a reason why uh, people think they don't like madness, but I think that as long as you're really thinking about it in terms of, like, are they actually making a sincere effort to convince people, that's going to be the best lens for judging when to make the call and when to execute them. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, ultimately, the the Serenovus is a high-level... Well, not a high-level, a complex character in a complicated script... Some might argue the most advanced script, and ultimately, you have to have a talented storyteller, I think, to get the most out of Madness as a mechanic, and particularly the Serenovus. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about other things you can do as a good player to fight the Serenovus. When are times you would be happy to just be executed and get your info out there? Personally, I am much more inclined to do that on the first day, especially if I'm a character who doesn't get a lot of information, just because... Getting yourself killed if you don't get that much information isn't that bad, and it tells everyone there's a Serenovus. So I'm, I feel feel like I'm most likely to break madness on the first day, because that's when I feel it's the least impactful. Yeah. And often you're looking for an execution target anyway on that first day. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the standard rules apply, right? Which we all learn from Trouble Brewing. If you're, a, if you're a night one info character, and you've already got your info, it's cool. Let's let everyone know there's a Serenovus. If you're yeah. <laughs> a once-per-game info role and you've already used your ability, that's cool. Let's let everyone know there's a Serenovus. Um, if you are, if you feel like you might be poisoned or you feel like you're not really contributing much or you're the snake charmer and are terrified, then uh, <laughs> feel free to get yourself murked. Um, but yeah, I think it, once there, there comes a point in a Serenovus game where everybody is on board with the idea that we have a Serenovus. And when that happens, I would almost say it then switches, and you, you're not really gaining anything by getting yourself killed. All you're really doing is making yourself seem a bit legit. Uh, and at that point, maybe yeah. it's time to just play along. Yeah, and like there are certainly situations where your information is so important that you still should do that. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot rarer. Yeah, and and I think a lot of the time, if you've got a decent Serenovus they're going to pick characters that are going to feel obliged to play along, right? They're not going to pick the guy yeah. who's claimed to be the clockmaker for the first three days. That's just a, <laughs> a waste of their ability, really, in, in many respects. Yeah, in general. And also the later in the game, of course, I think the more important executions become. So just as the game goes on, you're going to want to tend towards complying with the madness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good ex- uh, summary of that. What are your thoughts on breaking madness at night? This is something that's come up a few times and it's explicitly addressed in the rules is that if somebody breaks madness at night, it's within the storyteller's right to execute them at night, which doesn't use up the execution for the day. So I think that some people will look at that and say like, okay, well, if I don't mind dying, I might as well do it at a time when it won't cause uh, us to waste a day of execution. Um, What do you think of that strategy? I think that in that instant, the good player gains most of the adva- or all of the advantages of being executed via Serenovus without really any of the disadvantages. So I would only employ that strategy if I, A, am a character who's already spent all their abilities, and B, think that good are really, really losing. Because, again, I would be thinking, is my storyteller going to allow this? If they are, then we must be having a really bad game. So I guess you could yeah. you could try and do that 
as almost to get a get some general information. And I don't mean general information as in, you know, uh, the the default information. I mean, literally the character, the general, who each night is woken up and told how the uh, how how well the storyteller thinks the good team are doing um, or who who is winning (laughs) and losing. Uh, I suppose you could actually use that as a kind of a yardstick for that sort of thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But generally speaking, I, I don't think it's such a great play most of the time. Yeah, most of the time you're not going to get executed at night. Right? No, I don't uh, think a, sto- a storyteller's got enough on their hands as it is without having to muck around uh, executing people in the night. So I think nine times out of ten, you're just going to make yourself sound like a liar. Yeah, and, and I think it's also usually going to, going to be the case that the storyteller can still execute you during the day because if you've broken madness at night, it's going to be really hard to convince anyone of anything uh, the next day. <laughs> Like, if you say during the night, okay, well, I've been targeted by the Saranovis, I'm still this thing. And then the next day, you haven't been executed, so you decide to comply with the madness. You're not, at that point, again, making a sincere effort. So I feel like it's still within the storyteller's right to execute you during that day. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, yeah, that's actually a very good point. I hadn't thought about that. If if, If your storyteller decides not to execute you, you've, yeah, it's a huge risk that you're taking, I think, by doing that. A huge, huge risk. I don't think it's worth it. And like you said, sometimes they'll allow it. They'll execute you during the night. If they do, that probably means that good is losing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In which case, you are now dead and good is losing a little bit more. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. It's, it's just like, a lose Now lose. I know that we're losing more. <laughs> <laughs> There's also, you can wait until after an execution to break madness so that you get executed for a second time during the day without wasting the day's execution. Yeah. Uh, once again, the storyteller could just wait and execute you the next day assuming you still get targeted by Saranovis. The the other t- this though I think there is actually a, a legitimate use case for this where it can be a good thing to do this and you still have that downside that we we're talking about but there's a bigger upside which is if you have a butcher uh as a traveler who lets you do a second execution each day if you suddenly break madness and give your information after the first execution but before the before the butcher's nomination then you have a slightly lower, like slightly lower downside because you're not wasting any execution for the day if you do get executed then, and you're still getting your information out there before an execution. So it's kind of a, it's a weird edge case, but there's you, there could be a time when it's good to break madness after the execution, but before a butcher execution. Yeah, that's certainly an option. It's interesting that you brought this up actually because. Uh, obviously, I'm British, in case that isn't obvious, uh, and I mostly play with people in Britain, funnily enough. And um, in our, in the sort of most of the communities that I flitter between, you don't see this happen. Like it's it's very rare if, that you that you see somebody break madness after execution has been called. That's probably partially my doing because I I have taught every storyteller in the UK more or less how to, how to run blow on the clock tower and and I very much do a sort of such and such has been executed everyone go to sleep and there's a degree of finality to it so I think that perhaps I don't invite this kind of play but I have been told that this is actually much more common in Australia and, and the USA that hmm. people will you will get people breaking madness and you'll get multiple executions in days uh, much more much more commonly so I'm actually truly intrigued uh, about this because I have really never seen it done. Have you seen it done much? I've seen it done like once. Yeah, to be honest, I haven't seen it done much either. And I, I do a similar thing where I end the day pretty quickly after a nomination, usually, or after an execution. Yeah. Yeah, the reason I was thinking of it here is that it'll come up more often with Butcher because you have to keep the day going. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, that is an interesting fringe case, right, with the butcher. Um, what I what I'd be intrigued to know is like, do it. So you've seen it once. I don't think I've ever seen it happen. So let's just imagine for a moment that we are <laughs> um, those townsfolk, that townsfolk in that situation. Do do we think that that's useful? I suppose it depends really on who you've just executed, right? If you sincerely yeah. believe that your fellow good guys have just made a massive boo-boo and executed a useful good player, the last thing you probably want to do is add another good player to that tally. <laughs> Especially in the yeah. mid to late game, you're possibly pushing uh, yourself, in your, your own team, into a position where the next day is the final day, or even possibly losing the game. So if you're going to employ that strategy, I'd say, first of all, you want to do it relatively early, right? Much like many of the strategies we've discussed. Secondly, um, I think you're only really going to want to employ it if you feel like you're getting a twofer. If you think, yeah, I'm pretty confident we've just executed an evil player, let's add some more useful stuff to that. I'll get myself killed to prove that I've been Serenovist. Uh There is also, I guess technically, if you've just executed and killed the Serenovus you now can't be punished for breaking madness. Yeah, uh, that is a good so one. you can kind of like do a really, really loose test of that. <laughs> I think it would only be if most of the town agreed that you just killed the Serenovus. Because if, yeah. if, you, if you're just sat there personally suspecting that that was the Serenovus, uh, and you're actually right, and you come out and say, <laughs> hey guys, I've been Serenovus, but I think we've just killed the Serenovus, so uh, I can tell you all now, <laughs> and, and then you don't die, the, the skeptical town are going to be like, yeah, sure. Totally, that's totally what just happened. So yeah, I think... Yeah, I think that, oh yeah, you're sure you're proving that that's the Serenovus. Yeah. Most of the strategies we've discussed for the good team, I think this one is probably one of the riskier ones, although I would love to see it more often, but then I'm a forever GM, so uh, I don't get to play too often, uh, and I like chaotic things happening. I think you, if you are actually on the good team, you should probably shy away from this one. Yeah, it's like having two executions in a day. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> like bad. two, two, two good. Pl- uh, one of them guaranteed to be good. Yeah. Uh, that's actually something we should talk about as the storyteller section as well. Making sure that as soon as the Serenovus is dead, you no longer can execute somebody for madness. I guess this this is the only situation where that really comes up. But like, <laughs> I can imagine a new storyteller or somebody who hasn't ever experienced this situation before, like probably almost everybody, uh, forgetting that they've just killed the Serenovus. Yeah, I think even an experienced storyteller might make yeah. that error um i could certainly see myself making that error from time to time it's it's there's a lot going on there is a hell of a lot going on <laughs> in sex and violets one last thing i think in the section about fighting against the Serenovus is that when you're a player who hasn't been targeted by the Serenovus, but you suspect that somebody else has been pushing them to like say that they've been targeted by the Serenovus isn't gonna help you really most of the time no that's not a not a sensible thing to do at all because the the reason to get somebody executed, but via Serenovus madness, is to prove that they have been Serenovus. If you already suspect that's the case, really, you're um, you know you you're kind of you're getting the death without without you're getting the death, but you've already got the confirmation, right? Yeah. So it's it's a lose, really. I'd say in in most situations. Yeah, so if, if you suspect that, then you might want to spread it around to the other players that you think, oh, I think this person's been targeted by Serenovus, so that's why, like, like use that in your own personal reasoning for why the game is going the way it is and why people are saying the things they are. But don't expect that player, to, but don't push them, because then you're just risking getting them executed for something you already know, like you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I suppose you could argue that the evil team can use that strategy on the other side of the coin as well, right? 
You can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if your minion is talking absolute rubbish, you could speak up and say, hey, do you know what? I think he's actually probably Saranovus because nothing that he's saying is making any sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's just something I've seen in games. I just don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> so. But it is everyone's responsibility to seek for the Saranovus. That's, uh, that's what you should keep yes. in mind, good guys. Everyone needs to work <laughs> together. All right, let's move into section three here, running the Saranovus Storyteller. We've already covered a lot of it. We should talk about, like, the extent to which you are strict or lenient about allowing players to get away with things, how much you're going to, like, what what are you going to punish them for, stuff like that. Uh, I'll go first. I feel like I feel like we have fairly different opinions on how exactly to do this, although I don't think either of our opinions are, like, wrong. And again, this is something where there is a bit of subjectivity to it. And knowing how your storyteller plays this is going to be important in games, so it's always something you can talk about. I feel like, in general, I tend to be more happy to execute somebody than to let them get away with saying something. Because it's often not that bad for them to be executed for the first for one thing uh and it can be even a good thing for them to let everyone know there's a saranovas in play so i don't feel like it's that punishing to execute somebody for breaking madness and i want the ability to have an effect on the game so i feel like i have to reinforce that as much as i can to the extent that players can actually make the choice and know that if i go along with this then i'm not going to be executed if i don't then i will be executed and that also allows me to then sort of craft um, the narrative more where if somebody breaks madness and they're expecting to be executed and I do not execute them, that allows me to paint a picture where they become very suspicious. And I like having that option as well to like suddenly reverse this if if the players think they have something that they always expect me to do. And yeah, and if, if players are, th- are having trouble thinking of like, oh, well, how can I possibly justify it in that situation? Like I've been bluffing something all game. I think the important thing is that if even if it's obvious to everyone that you've been targeted by Saranovis, it that that doesn't matter. What matters is that you've done your best to convince them otherwise, even if there's not po- there's no possible way you could convince them otherwise. Like I would I as long as the player's doing their best, then it's totally fine. So like if they say they were pit hagged into that new character, or they can say that they were bluffing to test the juggler or the dreamer or something, or that they were being targeted by the Saranovis previously, which is why they were claiming some other thing. Um, there are, I would give them examples of things like that. That way they know that, that there are ways that they can make that sincere effort to claim the thing and whether or not they're believed doesn't, isn't really important to me. It's just whether or not, uh, they're doing the best they can. It's, it's an interesting one. I think that, that, that this dilemma is a, is a two pronged thing. So first of all, how strict are you going to be? Probably you're going to need to consider the experience level of your players. I've, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have introduced thousands of people to Blow on the Clock Tower at conventions, at, at sort of people have invited me to come to their workplace and run it for uh, like team building events and stuff like that. So I've introduced a lot of people to Blow on the Clock Tower, I've introduced a lot of people to Madness. People will go one of two ways with Madness. They'll either get it instantly and think, wow, that's really cool, that's amazing, or they'll be utterly flummoxed and confused by it. 
if you've got players who are in the latter camp, then you probably want to err on the side of caution with executing them. Nobody has ever found it fun to not understand something fully and then be punished for not understanding it fully. That's not that's not a fun experience for anyone. Obviously, I'm not suggesting, Andrew, that you're going to be like, no, screw you, idiots, and just, you know, <laughs> execute them. Uh, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying at all. But yeah, I, I, I should clarify that my, my interpretation there, you can kind of throw all of that out when you're talking about new players who don't understand the mechanic yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we uh, established the fact that be lenient with newbies in case that isn't obvious which i'm sure it probably is because i bet you're all awesome people when you're listening to this but uh yeah be lenient with newbies don't necessarily be strict with them when you get to experienced players and i think like you've said that's the situation that you're talking about if you got 12 or 15 guys who've played hundreds of games of blow on the clock tower if they break madness you know that they are doing it deliberately there's no, there's no question about it. And so then, and uh, you've already kind of touched on this, it becomes a question of meta, right? If if I yeah. know that Andrew Nathanson always executes when madness is broken, I will take that into consideration. And it's for that reason that I like to mix it up as much as possible. I like to avoid building metas, and then if they do somehow emerge, I immediately work to subvert them. That's, that's my style I guess if you like as a storyteller so for that reason I will sometimes arbitrarily not execute people who are breaking madness uh, I will sometimes uh, execute them immediately I will sometimes completely leave them alone uh, I'll, I will the one thing that I won't do is establish a formula or, or a rule um, because I I like that question mark to be out there every single game that has a Serenovus in it I want at some point somebody to not be believed that they are being so nervous when they are because that is the that's the that's the little gift that you give the serenovus as a storyteller when they're in the game yeah that makes sense as well yeah i think it's something that you can kind of develop over time in your own games like how players expect you to act obviously if they can always predict you then that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing depending on how you want to play it i think there is there is merit to um being somewhat predictable but like actually not be like if, if players think they can predict you but they actually can't that's a that's an interesting situation so yeah i think that i i, I feel like they're both acceptable things to I, do i feel like we're not a million miles away from each other really either i think yeah. that perhaps yeah. i'm overstating how often i don't execute and you're maybe making <laughs> yourself sound a little stricter than you really are i think that probably nine <laughs> times out of ten if we were to run the somehow run an identical game of uh, of sex and violets we'd probably make the same decisions for most of them right because a lot of the time yeah, in that moment you don't really have you, you don't have a great deal of of choice sometimes you've got to you know you've got to do what what you need to do to keep things balanced and most of the time that's a somewhat objective decision i guess yeah and i think that's also um that's something that people will not understand like they feel like the storyteller often has a lot of leniency or a lot of like the rules have a lot of leniency for the storyteller and there's a lot of wiggle room but i find that in most situations if you put two experienced storytellers in the same position they will make the same decision like 90% of the time even if they have very different philosophies or like they express very different philosophies on how things work yeah absolutely I think as long as they both have an understanding a similar understanding level of the game they're going to make the same decision most of the time yeah and that's why I, I always compare storytelling to, to being a dungeon master really because you you're there to enforce the rules but you're also there to make sure that your players have an exciting narratively driven experience right 
And so, just like you would most good story, most good dungeon masters, if a monster was absolutely pounding their players into the ground, might knock a few hit points off off the monster's total, might make his armor class a little lower, might make his uh, club do a bit less damage. Uh, you can do that, but you can't fundamentally, you can't change fundamentally how the rules of Dungeons and Dragons function. Uh, and, yeah. and and really, I think there's a lot of D and D in in Blood on the Clock Tower. And and you're right, I'm glad you brought up the fact that some people feel that the storyteller has too much uh, freedom and power because they they really you really don't as a storyteller. You really don't have yeah. you have, you must operate within the rules. And I've had I've actually had people say to me, Oh, you know, you can I had one guy once who was the chef and he was really upset uh, when he found out that the recluse was in play and he was like, Well you could have just shown me anything then and it's like, no I couldn't. I could have shown you a zero or a one. Two things are quite far away from anything, and and really that is generally the, the when you do get a bit of a freedom to make a decision as a storyteller, that's really all you get in. You maybe can do two things instead of one. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I'm totally going off on a tangent there. This isn't <laughs> about the chef. This is about the Serenovus. Well, I do feel like it's all related though, because the Serenovus is one of the characters that that sort of thing comes up with uh, comes up a lot uh, in your discussions and in people's opinions about the game. Yeah, definitely, and it is a binary decision, right? That that is what you have to execute or not execute. Those are the two things that you can that you have sway over as the storyteller with the Serenovus. And even within those two things, you will mostly feel as though you ought to do one over the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right. What other special considerations are there as the storyteller, other than just like the decision of whether or not to execute? Um, we've already talked about Breaking Madness at Night. We've already talked about uh, the mutant. <laughs> I will mention that the that you can get confused easily if as far as whether or not a player actually understands what happened um especially a new player if they are using one of those strategies where they say oh i got pit hagged into this thing it can be hard to tell whether they sincerely think that they got pit hagged into that thing or if they are aware that they were just serenovist about it and they're using this as their bluff uh so i'll often be like oh, you, you know you weren't actually targeted by the pit hag last night like i'll find a time to ask them that in private um, yeah, so as a just to make sure, pull people aside, make sure they understand what's going on. I often like to just say, "Remember, guys, if you're not sure about anything that's going on, if you're confused about what happened last night, if you need to double check that the thing you think is happening is really happening, <laughs> uh, just take me aside and ask me questions. Uh, it's it's yeah. usually a good thing. And then, most importantly, you've you've covered you've covered your ass right there, um, <laughs> because you can <laughs> then say, if someone says, "Oh, I had no idea that was going on," I was like, I kind of kept hinting at you that you needed to speak to me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so just be aware of that. <laughs> Some it's it's very easy to get confused uh, about whether a player is interpreting things right. I mean, you, you for the Serenovus, you show them like three different things at night, <laughs> so it can be confusing. Yeah, but but one of them is the Serenovus token. <laughs> so yes. I think mo- mostly <laughs> I would I, yeah I don't think I've ever actually seen anyone get confused that they were pit hagged when they were Serenovus, uh, but I can totally imagine it happening, particularly with inexperienced players. But yeah, I, mean, yeah I, I can't remember a specific instance, but I'm pretty sure I have had that happen before, where I've like woken someone up, showed them the Serenovus thing. They weren't really paying attention, and then I showed them what the Serenovus targeted them as, and they saw that, and they like kind of gave me a look and like pointed at themselves, like like that's me, I'm that now, and I was like, <laughs> and I thought they were just saying I, that's what I have to like pretend to be, and so I nodded at them, and then they were very confused. Right. <laughs> oh, players that don't pay attention. Absolute bane <laughs> of the storyteller. 
Um, there is one other situation that we haven't brought up, and that is a player breaking madness on the final day. We brought this up kind of with the good twin, where you're basically deciding whether or not they lose at that point. If you are a player, please don't do this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is another tricky situation. Do you know what? I don't like hard and fast rules, but I, have, I, I would say that I have one for this. If you break madness on the last day, I will execute you. Because I think ultimately you're... This is the this is where my, I draw my line, and I think my line's quite <laughs> far, far far on one side compared to others. But ultimately, if if this Serenovus has survived until that point, they deserve to have a Serenovus player in that final three, right? Yes, <laughs> I I agree with that completely. I will make one note, which is if the Serenovus targets themselves, I'm not going to allow them to just die and end the game. Uh, <laughs> I have actually been. I've actually broken Madness on the last day and lost the game for the good team. Uh, it was entirely <laughs> my fault. Um, I was playing online with Ed, who I'm sure listeners are familiar with, um, and I. Uh, it was the. It was a quick night phase. I was really thirsty. I ran into the other room to grab a Pepsi out of the fridge. I came back in here. I didn't check the the information that Ed had sent me at night, where he'd informed me that I was Serenovist into something. <laughs> And then I just stood up and went, right, well, it's the final day, guys. Just to remind you all, I'm, I'm the savant. And they just went, Ben is executed, game over. And I was like, what? <laughs> looked, looked, looked on my second monitor, and there was a message from Ed. You are mad that you are the mutant. And I was like, no! <laughs> so, yeah, um, that will happen. That will become of you if you try and do something, deliberately or otherwise. So don't do it. <laughs> yep, that that's... That's an online game problem right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would not happen in person, presumably. <laughs> yeah, if, if, the equivalent of that in person is you like get up to get a snack or something at night, and the storyteller just like you know taps like your seat where you were. <laughs> they show the seat, your token. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think I think we're pretty much agreed here. If you break madness on the last day and you're a good player, you're going to get executed. Yeah. Um, this is another situation where like the only possible exception to this is well. For me, I would say I wouldn't execute the Serenovus themselves if they're doing it intentionally to themselves. Yeah. And I would maybe be lenient with a good player who doesn't understand what's going on. Uh. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess so. But but that, that's always the that is a cavat across everything, right? If if yeah. you don't don't right. bully noob, don't make newbies feel bad for not understanding things. But really, uh, as a storyteller, you probably shouldn't run sex and violence for new players. Uh, we have right, a general exactly. rule on the convention circuit. You need to have played um, at least, I think, four or five games of Trouble Brewing before we'll even consider running a more advanced script for you because it's too much. It's overwhelming. People won't have a mm-hmm. good time. Um, you need that foundation. You need to, you need to go through Trouble Brewing High School before you're allowed to play at the University of Sex. Oh, why did I even say that? That sounds, <laughs> that sounds so corny coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you, 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 should, you probably shouldn't run sex and violence for people who can't understand madness as a general rule. Yeah. Yeah, and in this situation, I think that if if a player ever gets mad at you for executing them on the final day and causing them to lose, I think it's very easy to make the argument that the Serenovas deserves to have their ability in play for sur- for surviving this long. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, th- I think that's the best argument there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, ultimately, uh, like you said earlier on, there's the sportsmanship angle. Um Unless you yeah. unless you have another reason to assume otherwise, it's reasonable to say that that person is being a bad sport uh, and trying to 
trying to exploit the mechanics in a in a way that is against the the what's the word? What word am I looking for, Andrew? Uh, against the spirit of the game. Yeah, like the social contract kind of. Yeah, yeah, game. pretty much. Yeah, uh, it, it is. It is somewhat. You could argue it is somewhat unsportsmanlike. But then, even as I say that, I now think, well, you know what? There are there are people who who like to play the games for the story. There are people who get a kick out of min max in their character. You know that everyone gets. You can't have other people's fun for them, I guess. So, yeah, I'll just completely contradict what I've just said and leave it at that. I'm sure that's useful. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our discussion, more or less. Um, there's obviously more to say, but we can't be here all day. Um, and that rhymes awkwardly. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks for being on, Ben. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Maybe next season I can do a good character. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, we wouldn't want to ruin your evil streak, though. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You'll hear from me and another guest in a couple weeks. Bye.